I will open my mouth in parables. I will utter things hidden from the foundation of the world. Words taken from today's Holy Gospel in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen. My children, I love the parables of our Lord, and I hope you do too. And I hope after today's sermon it is clear why we love them so much. I've preached you several times on the two short parables which are paired together in today's gospel. They are taken from the 13th chapter of St. Matthew, where our Lord tells us seven parables of the kingdom of God. The 13th chapter of St. Matthew, which we do well to meditate on lovingly, we have first the parable of the sower who went forth to cast his seeds. This is the gospel we hear before Lent on Sexagesima Sunday. We have the gospel of the weeds among the wheat, which falls on the fifth Sunday after Epiphany, so oftentimes during the liturgical year before this Sunday. The parable of the mustard seed and the parable of the leaven, which are paired together on today's Mass. The parable of the treasure hidden in the field, of the merchant to the pearl of great price, and of the dragnet, which draws forth all kinds of fishes. These last three we find only at one occasion at Mass, although we have it throughout the year. It's in the Mass of Holy Virgins. So when we have a feast of a Holy Virgin, we hear these three parables together. I have preached you in all these parables over the years. And so this year I thought it would be fruitful to offer you a lesson on the parable itself. What is a parable? It is in the Greek word parabole, which is often transliterated in English through Latin, parabola. It is literally a throwing, a throwing forth. And it describes the symmetrical path of a projectile when it is thrown upward into the air. And as some of you know, it is also a conic section in mathematics. But metaphorically, already in ancient times, this word meant a comparison. And it is used in the Old Testament already to translate the Hebrew word mashal, which is a proverb, a byword, an allegory. St. Matthew proclaims to us today that Christ, speaking in parables, is a fulfillment of the prophecy of Psalm 77. I will open my mouth in parables. I will utter things hidden from the foundation of the world. This long psalm speaks of the wondrous deeds done by the Lord God in delivering his people from bondage and of their terrible ingratitude. St. Paul refers to the events recounted here when he tells us these things happened to them in figure, but they were written down for our instruction, upon whom the end of ages has come. Unlike the historical parts of the Gospel and the rest of the Bible, which often have a mystery behind them, with the parables it is the spiritual sense, which is always at the forefront. We must always 
first examine the literal sense, inquiring as to the significance of the wondrous details. Why a mustard seed? Why a leaven? But after that, we must turn to the three spiritual senses. The allegorical sense. Where in this parable do I find Christ, his sacraments, his church? The moral sense. Where in this parable is my own soul to be found and its own individual spiritual combat? And the anagogical sense. Where in this parable do I find reference to eternity? Is the parable then a sort of code by which we acquire secret knowledge which we could never find elsewhere? No. As with the mystical interpretations of the Old Testament, where we must apply those same rules of the spiritual senses, St. Thomas Aquinas reminds us that there is no truth contained in the spiritual sense of Scripture which is not to be found elsewhere in the Bible expressed in plain language. So why does the gospel contain so many parables? We wouldn't be the first to ask this question. Our Lord's first disciples asked him the same thing. At the beginning of this chapter of St. Matthew, they asked him, why do you speak to the people in parables? And he answered them, to you it has been given to know the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven, but to them it has not been given. For to him who has more will be given and he will have abundance, but from him who has not even what he has will be taken away. This is why I speak to them in parables, because seeing they do not see, and hearing they do not hear, nor do they understand. With them indeed is fulfilled the prophecy of Isaiah, which says, You shall indeed hear, but never understand. You shall indeed see, but never perceive. For this people's heart has grown dull, and their ears are heavy of hearing, and their eyes have closed lest they should perceive with their eyes and hear with their ears and understand with their heart and turn for me to heal them. St. Matthew's Gospel makes it clear that our Lord began to teach mainly in parables after he was rejected by the Pharisees. We hear him insist more and more on the importance of being little, humble, and childlike. I thank thee, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that thou hast hidden these things from the wise and understanding and revealed them to little ones. Yes, Father, for so it was pleasing in thy sight. Amen. I say to you, unless you be converted and become like little children, you shall not enter the kingdom of heaven. We find then, especially in the teaching of St. Matthew, that parables have a twofold purpose to conceal the truth from the prideful and pronounce judgment on them, and to reveal the mysteries of the kingdom of God to the humble. The world might well boast of special knowledge or information accessible only to the most erudite. Only the very author of our souls could find a way to present the truth so that it is hidden from the proud and worldly wise and open only to the meek and lowly. Yet you might object, surely that is not the case. 
smart people should have no trouble deciphering the meaning of these parables. To that I reply, it is not their intelligence that bars them, but their will. They stare at the truth on the page or hear it from the pulpit, but they do not embrace it in their hearts. You shall indeed hear, but never understand, shall indeed see, but never perceive. The parables do not appeal directly to the intelligence, but to the imagination. For our Lord who crafted our souls knows that is precisely what will captivate someone with a childlike heart and make him disposed to embrace the truth. But hold on, Padre, you might insist. Surely you don't mean to say that the parables are easy to understand as long as you have a little childlike humility. I never could have figured out by myself that the parable of the prodigal son is, according to its moral sense, about the necessary steps for a good confession and, allegorically, about the coming of the Gentiles to the gospel despite the resentment of their elder brother, the Hebrew nation. Or that the parable of the Good Samaritan has not only the moral sense of the importance of helping our neighbor, but also teaches in its allegorical sense the effects of the grace of Christ on the soul wounded by original and mortal sin and how that grace comes to us through the sacraments of the church. You had to teach me that. That is precisely the point. None of us could figure out the parables by ourselves. We all had to have them explained to us by a teacher, a whole series of teachers going back to the earliest fathers. And the apostles themselves had to ask Christ to explain them. Still, why doesn't the gospel just have plain speech all the time? Surely the plain teaching of our Lord is just as much of a stumbling block to the proud of heart as the parables. He didn't need parables to keep them in the dark. Perhaps, but that doesn't change the fact that little ones need the parables. Like Mary Magdalene, we all need to place ourselves at our Lord's feet and be taught like a child. We need to have our imagination stirred by the truth, an imagination which is so often the slave of the world and its fleeting pleasures. We need to be made to yearn for an explanation so that the lesson will stick. Truly no one knows how to teach us better than our Lord Jesus Christ. It is he who is the mustard seed of today's gospel, after all, Small and insignificant, the value of the seed is found only when it is crushed. Yet it becomes a great tree so that all the birds of the air may find shelter in its branches. And the church is the woman who takes the leaven and casts it into the three measures of meal, that is, into the entire world of men, until fermentation is complete, that is, until the gospel should be proclaimed throughout the world. We, yes, all we little ones who learn at the Master's feet shall be hidden, and we 
shall be crushed. For no servant is greater than his master. And our master came to be crushed, to be despised and rejected, a man of sorrows. But like our Lord in all these things, we overcome because of him who loved us. St. Paul had to learn the parables of our Lord from the lips of his fellow apostles. Yet we well imagine that he had them in mind when the Holy Gospel inspired him to write, For the word of the cross is folly to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise, and the cleverness of the clever I will thwart. Where is the wise man? Where is the scribe? Where is the debater of this age? Has not God made foolish the wisdom of the world? For since in the wisdom of God the world did not know God through wisdom, it pleased God through the folly of what we preach to save those who believe. God chose what is foolish in the world to shame the wise. God chose what is weak in the world to shame the strong, so that no flesh might glory in his sight. He is the source of your life in Christ Jesus, whom God made our wisdom, our righteousness, our sanctification and redemption. Amen.